0: please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, it's every teacher's worst nightmare. They have done their best. They have done all of the planning for today's, yeah, Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, it's every teacher's worst nightmare. They have done all of the hard work. They got all of their lesson planning done. They are sure that they have prepared the best possible lesson for their kids to learn today's subject. They go through all of the motions, they are there in front of the class, and everything is looking really good, until there's finally that moment when the lesson has ended, and the teacher looks at the students, and they stare back with blank faces. There's no light on upstairs, the teacher thinks, they just don't get it doesn't take a question necessarily to verify that fact. Sometimes you can see it plain as day on somebody's face. Sometimes it becomes clear in other ways. Imagine that you are in your family and somebody has broken one of the sacred family rules, and it has been stressed again and again how important these rules are to the family. And in anger, maybe a mom or a dad says, you just don't get it, do you? You don't understand what all of this is about. Or maybe there's a completely different circumstance. Maybe you are dealing with a particular struggle, some internal heartache or pain, and you've tried to explain it to a friend, to a family member, but they just, they don't understand. Why don't you just get over it? And in sadness and in frustration, you might say to that person, don't you get it? Don't you understand my pain? Don't you get it? It could pretty much be the question for our gospel reading today. It could be the thought that was on Jesus's mind in his interactions, not just with his disciples, but with one of the mothers of his disciples. Jesus, by this point in his ministry, has done so many things. He has made it pretty much crystal clear who he is. We're in the 20th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Way in the past is Matthew 16, when Jesus had that moment where he asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And there was no mistake about the answer to that question, right? You are the Christ, the Son of God, Peter said, and Jesus said, that's right, that's the answer, that's who I am. And we're almost on the doorstep in Matthew 20 of Palm Sunday, of Jesus's final entry into Jerusalem, where he will be handed over, where he will suffer and die and on the third day rise again and by this point in Matthew's gospel that's not a secret Jesus has told his disciples exactly what's going on they're on their way to Jerusalem but even while they are on the way Jesus continues to teach them about that ministry but the disciples they just don't get it in our reading today We hear this conversation that happens between Jesus and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. The mom approaches Jesus and and wants one small favor, just one small favor for her dear boys. Okay, Jesus says, what is it that you want? Well, I was just wondering if, if James could be on your left and John could be on your right in your kingdom. Or the other way around, it doesn't matter, but I want them to be right there by you. That's that's it. That's all that I want. We read that request, and maybe you laugh, maybe you're like, what nerve? What in the world is she saying? Can you imagine asking Jesus, oh, can, can my family be like the MVPs? Can we be the ones who are closest to you from here on into eternity? Does she not get it? Does she not understand what Jesus is about? Does she not get what Jesus's ministry is about? We're, we're thinking that because the question is just so completely contrary to who Jesus is and to his entire ministry. But we say that from a much different perspective. We say it knowing everything about Jesus and the whole scope of his ministry and what he's about. If you zoom in closer to the context of this happening, you see that the immediate people of the story, they have kind of a different reaction. You see, when the other disciples hear what has happened between Jesus and James and John and their mother, they become indignant. They become angry. They think, wait a second, don't you be given the best spot away in the kingdom, Jesus, without thinking about us, without thinking about our credentials, without thinking about our moms? Don't you want to listen to our moms and what they want for us too? It's borderline silly to us. It's not just that James and John's mother doesn't seem to get it. Those disciples themselves don't seem to get it. They're only thinking about themselves. They're only thinking about their own personal glory. What a mess. But before we jump too far ahead in the story, before we completely write off James and John and their mother and all of the rest of the disciples, maybe it's important for us to look in the mirror. Isn't it true that sometimes we don't exactly get it? Isn't it true that sometimes we are an awful lot like James and John's mother? We are an awful lot like the rest of those disciples in the sense that we think about me. We think about ourselves. We think about our own position. We think about our own glory. We want to be number one. We want to be on top. We want to have that power. We want to be in those positions of authority, we don't get it. We don't get it either. We might dismiss James and John, their mother. We might dismiss the rest of the disciples, but God's word makes it crystal clear that we are the same. We get God's law. He speaks very clearly to us and says, you don't even have to try to hide it. I know what sin looks like, and you are sinful in thought, word, indeed. That's sometimes a hard thing to come to terms with. We don't always like to confess that truth, but that's what God's word says about us. It's a hard word to hear, but we know that that's not God's only word. Instead, there is also that good news, the good news of the gospel that, that is spoken not only to us, but in our story, Jesus speaks that same good news. See, Jesus isn't like James. He's not like John. He's not like their mother, and he's not like the rest of the disciples. Jesus says, I didn't come to be served. I didn't come to be number one. I didn't come here to get ahead in life. I don't care about positions. I don't care about any of those things. Do you know what I care about? You. I care about you, and I care about your salvation. And so I came not to be served, but to serve. In fact, I came to give my life as a ransom. I came to die. I came to suffer. All of those things that I've been telling to you, that's who I am. And that's what my ministry is about. And with Jesus, it's never just words. He doesn't just say that and then do something else. He would do exactly that. As you push forward into Matthew's gospel, he does enter into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And while they're ready to crown him king, Jesus, he accepts the title because he is the king, but he does not accept that worldly glory because the kind of kingdom that he rules over is not the kind of kingdom that those people were thinking about. His kingdom would come through his suffering, through his death, and through his resurrection. Jesus did all of that to serve you and me, all of us who don't get it. We do get it in the end. We do get not simply condemnation or Jesus' anger or his indignation. Instead, we get his forgiveness. We get his grace, his mercy, his unfailing love. We operate according to the world's standards. That's where our heads are at in this game. But Jesus comes with a completely different message, a completely different mission. And Jesus says, you having received this now, this forgiveness, This love, this mercy, I now send you out to be different, to be different than everybody else out there. You're not like them. I have come to serve, and now you go. I'm sending you to serve the world as well and to do it in my name. And that's what we do. That's what we do here at St. Paul's. We are sent to serve, and we do that in so many different ways. But today, in this service, we highlight the gift of our school in our ministry. As we celebrate National Lutheran Schools Week, we celebrate the fact that we are sent to serve, and we serve in a wonderful way through our school's ministry We serve our community by offering them a place to come where their kids are taken care of, where they are loved, where they are given that first-rate education. Now, it's absolutely true that kids won't get every lesson that we teach them. Not every subject is going to be their favorite subject, and some of the things that they learn here they might forget later on. They might struggle with. They might say to the teacher from time to time, teacher, I don't get it. But we want them to get the fact that they are loved, that they are loved by us as a community of believers. They are loved by us because God sends us to serve the world, to love as he has loved us. And we do love them. We love them not simply by teaching them about these basics, but especially about God's love. We love to teach them about Jesus, whether that happens in their classroom, through their time of devotions, through their Bible classes, whether it happens through our weekly chapel services, whether it happens through confirmation, whether it happens through other interactions that we have through them teaching them not just a lesson, but teaching them in life as things come up, being there for them. We are sent to serve. And you are lucky to have teachers who love doing this, who are gifted at doing this, who are blessed doing this. And you have a principal who helps to shape them, helps to support and encourage them. You have pastors that love to interact with those kids, and the teachers, and the school as a whole, and you as a community. You come together to help support the school's ministry in so many different ways. Sent to serve is who you are, and you have stepped up, and you are serving. And we thank you. We thank you for that service. And we wish that you could see sometimes on a daily basis some of the things that we get to see as we serve these kids. It is changing them. Kids come into our schools sometimes, and, and they bring a lot of different stuff with them. Maybe some kids didn't, didn't fit in so well with the public school, but they come into our classrooms, and things change. Their life starts to turn around. The parents say, I don't get it. They, they were struggling, but now they are succeeding. They, they were really feeling bullied before, but now they are feeling loved. They have friends. It's a wonderful gift that we give to them. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of energy. It takes our treasures, our talents, our time to do all of this. But we do that. We do this service. Why? Not because we're trying to get ahead in the world. Not because we're trying to get number one. Not because we're trying to make a name for ourselves but because of who Jesus is. Because Jesus is that one who came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came for the whole world. And as he sends us to serve, we must go to that same world to bring that message. Not just in our words, but also in our actions. Some of the things that we get to celebrate each year in our school, uh, off the top of my head, I guess I don't, I can't give you statistics, but I would say every year we average at least one new baptism at our school. One child, one family that hears about baptism as that gift that God gives to us and they say, my kid's not baptized, but I want that for them. I want them to be a part of God's kingdom. I want them to have that assurance and love and God's grace to be poured into their lives. And we get to do that. What a gift it is to serve families in that way. What a gift it is to serve these kids in that way. But we just, we don't serve them. We, through them, serve others as well. These kids They came not just to be served, but to serve. You can already see the transformation take place. Because we do all sorts of things for our community through our chapel offerings. The kids support different organizations around our community. They bring together things for our food baskets and food pantry to support those who may not have enough in their own homes. They support things like Phil's Friends kids and others who suffer from cancer. They support fortitude community outreach by bringing together different items so that those can be given to homeless people in our community. There's so many different ways that these kids help to serve others, and that's a part of how they have been transformed. They have been served by us, but they too are sent to serve Operation Christmas Child is something I talked about at the beginning of our service, and every year that's something that the kids are always invited to be a part of, and they're excited about it. To think that these things that we have that might be small, they are such a big thing to those kids who receive them. And then especially to know that they don't just receive stuff, they receive that message of Christ, of Jesus, The best gift of all. We are sent to serve. Jesus made it clear that that's the message we are supposed to get. Now it's true that sinful flesh is still with us. Sometimes we don't get it. Sometimes we start to think about ourselves. Sometimes we look inward. But each and every time we come to worship, each and every time we come to God's Word, We get his good news. We get his gift of forgiveness and grace. The Son of Man came to serve us, to make us his children and part of his kingdom. And when we are part of that, our lives are changed. We're not just thinking about ourselves anymore. We too are sent to serve That's a message the world may not get. That's a message and a mission the world may not understand. But that's who we are. That's what we do. And we pray that through our ministries, the world would get it. Not simply get it in the sense of understand who we are and what we are about, but get Jesus. Get His gift, that gift of faith, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of eternal life. That's a blessing we have to give that the world gets to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and risen Savior. Amen.